Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined today by Gordon Mack. It's Friday, July 10th. We had some track action yesterday, a brief controversy involving Noah Lyles, and some news that some conferences are going to be competing in conference only for the falls. We continue to grapple with the coronavirus. But first off, Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh... Well, it's Friday now, July 10th, which is great. Another Friday. It feels mm-hmm. like literally last week it was Friday, and now it's Friday again. I love it. It's always Friday. And two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago it was Friday as well. It's pretty crazy how that works out. But time is seemingly moving a little quicker, which doesn't really make sense because life has slowed down. But I I, I don't know. Someone explained that phenomenon to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We, we, we have plenty to talk about today, though. Uh, a weird track meet went on yesterday across the globe. I would say it was modestly entertaining until Noah Lyles took to the track. Um, and then things just went really, really weird from there. I guess we can start with the inspiration games. Uh, did you watch what was your impression of Noah Lyles 1890 that really wasn't an 1890? I did not watch, but I did see the original tweet of 1890. And I thought, did our social media person really just make a typo with eight and a nine? Like, that's the first thing I thought. Well, because that can happen. And I was thinking they made a typo twice. They made a typo in the graphic and then they made a typo in the text of the tweet. And I was like, really? We're going to make that big of a mistake and not delete it by now? It's been up for like a few minutes. You can delete that. But as you know, uh, it wasn't a typo. That's exactly what he ran. It just happened to be not 200 meters. I so he runs 185 meters, and if you watch it live, which I did, and full disclosure, I didn't make the graphic because I don't know how to make graphics, but I did put out the tweet that said 1890. No, Lyles just ran 1890. Like I know everyone was skeptical, and I kind of sh- you know showed my ass a little bit there. It was a little embarrassing, but like what happened was he was put on the wrong line. I've never seen that happen, particularly in professional track and field. Now, it's a weird sport. Weird things happen all the time. But in my brain, I'm thinking, well, it must have just been a massive tailwind. Because in what realm are you considering the fact? I guess I also could have considered the fact that the, the clock was off, right? But when it didn't immediately get corrected after two two minutes... I'm not in my mind thinking, 
oh, he probably ran from the wrong line. I've never seen that before. Like, who, what was the official doing? Like, asleep on the job? I've never well, seen that. And obviously, this was a mistake. He didn't run 1890. It was fun while it lasted. But it, it was weird to consider the possibilities. And even the, the, the race announcer, Steve Cram, was like, he can't. He, there's no way he ran that. Is there? And we all considered it for a second because it was crazy. And it didn't end up being true. You only ran 185 meters because whoever set up his blocks put him in the wrong spot. I don't know. I want to know the full story. Like, was it an official? He, they said they had him on the wrong line. So Noah Lyles is deflecting blame off himself, which is fine and, and, and you know, makes sense. You would have thought he would have recognized that he was in the wrong spot having run so many 200s. I just, when, when it initially happened, the furthest thing from my mind was he didn't run the full distance. I thought, okay, there must have been a massive tailwind or the clock was wrong, but not that he was messed up on the line. It was it was a wild couple of minutes. What, what did you, what were you thinking? Well, massive tailwind would be insane because yeah, that's still what, really world fast. Record, what, 19, what's the world record? 19, Nine, one, 19. What is it? 1919. 1919, yeah. So yeah, that, that did a like, triple the tailwind for that. But uh, yeah, yeah. And he's not even in that realm now. He's like, what, 19, he's yeah. a 195 guy right now. So yeah, that, that yeah. would be incredible. Uh, my question was, was he supposed to run 200 meters? Was he supposed to run like 200 yards? Because a lot of these athletes were running like 100 yards, three by 100. 150 meters. No, it was a, like what was it was a 200 it was a 200 meter race. It was supposed to be 200 meters. It was supposed to be 200 meters, not 200 yards. Yeah. No, 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 no. Maybe that's 180 200 yards is 182 meters. So maybe oh. he was at the 200 yard mark and they saw oh, that 200 on the track. Conspiracy Bill is getting a little ringing in the ears here. I that that could have been it considering the 100 yard race that took place also in the meet did happen on that same track in Florida. So maybe the officials got in the yard, they got in the yard mindset and were like, oh, this is a 200 yard race. And that, that, that definitely, yeah. Occam's Razor says that's a, that's a decent possibility because otherwise this, this doesn't, I've just, I've never, I know this is a weird and different thing. And that's what you can chalk this up to, this meet of which is going on in different locations around the world. And they probably don't have the most established officials out there. Who knows? But you're right. That that must be that's gotta be the most likely explanation is somebody thought it was a, a yard race instead of uh um instead of a meters, two hundred meters. I I will take the blame and you know, admit that I for a second entertained the thought that he had run 1890. And it was fun to look at Twitter. Like track Twitter had a moment yesterday where everyone was just like, I didn't even know what to tweet. It was just like people tweeting question marks and like, and just like, we, we didn't know what to think. And, and I just enjoyed the high I, I experienced of thinking for a the moment. Dopamine. Yeah. I, I didn't think he broke the world record because I knew there would have to be circumstances, right? It, maybe, maybe the, the wind was, maybe a hurricane moved in while he was running. I don't know. But it was fun to watch because we all, during the race, thought that this was a normal race circumstance. And he was so far ahead. Not only did he get in a fantastic start, but like he was like the the, the two other guys, uh, Christophe Lemaitre and uh, whoever the guy other guy was, Martina. They they were like turning the corner with 100 meters to go, and Lyles was like was like 
halfway down down the home stretch. It was, I mean, he would have won regardless, but 1890 over 185 meters, not nearly as impressive as what we thought it was. I, I think that equate that probably equates to just about 20 seconds, uh, give or take. So for a full 200, so. It, it wasn't the it wasn't the revelatory performance we thought it was. It was too bad, but it did make for some fun afternoon viewing on a Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even see the race live, and I got to enjoy it by just <laughs> reacting to it, seeing it on Twitter. Sometimes yeah. that's what's great about social media. And I mean, social media has a lot of negatives. Don't get me wrong, but the positives that social media brings are it makes a live viewing experience more enhanced with all of the commentary that people can throw in there and the reactions and the memes and the question marks. So yeah. 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 That's, that's what Twitter's for, right? To, to talk about it. <laughs> all right. So elsewhere in the meet, uh, another headliner, Allison Felix got the win, albeit remote over Shawnee Miller Weibo and Majinga Kabunji of Switzerland. Uh, Shawnee Miller-Weibo ran on the track in Florida that Noah Lyles did. I think she had dealt with some serious headwind. Still yet, though, for 34-year-old Allison Felix to run faster than a top of her game, Shawnee Miller-Weibo, in the in the 150, and Kambuji, who was a medalist, was pretty impressive. I know you famously like to think that Allison Felix is a hair overrated, but this was a this was an encouraging sign for the 34 year old as she attacks the 400 next year. Try to talk me out of being impressed by this Allison Felix race. I think there's some skepticism to it. <laughs> I don't know if we can truly believe them. I mean, when we see Noah Lyles run 1890 for a 200, which turned out to be 185 <laughs> meters, and we just now assume. All the other races were held accordingly. I just, if you, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. For, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. Maybe the wind reading was wrong because it said that she ran into a headwind. Yeah. Which I doesn't make sense. That. That, that didn't make any so sense. So that, that doesn't make sense. It's a new track, right? Mm. It's mm -hmm. a, the Mount Sac track. It's a new, brand new. Do they really have a 150 meter mark? Like, how do we know that they actually got the 150 meter mark exactly? Because you're you're starting on the middle of a curve, so I don't know. I feel like there may be some little bit of fishy, like a little misstep of where the line wow. is supposed to be. If they did wow. that with Noah Lyles, I easily think it could have been done on a brand new track well, that doesn't have an an official 150 meter mark. That's all the, I gotta say. Yeah, the problem with what you're saying is, as you know, Felix was in Flor or Felix was in California, and Lyles was in Florida, so it's not the same situation. We're separated by thousands of miles here. Um, I would assume that a brand new track—it's not like it doesn't have lanes or markings for things. I, I would I, I would imagine there's no marking that, for 150 meters. I understand that, but I, I don't think the situation came down to Allison Felix ran 146 meters versus everybody else running 150. I think the situation came down to one, she's much fitter than she was a year ago, you know, just coming off of having a baby in late 2018. And also Shawnee Miller-Weibo was dealing with a serious headwind. I don't think that was the case for Felix, but I, my, my biggest takeaway was a very encouraging sign for Felix. I'm gonna go under the assumption that she ran 150 meters and understand as opposed to me saying this as you are, that she's the most decorated female track and field Olympian in history. I don't care that she's got there 
with relays. She's been the best athlete on most of those relays. I, I don't care. She's established. She, if there was a track and field Hall of Fame, she's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And she's still oh, good no, at age I 34. I, I, def I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree mm -hmm. with that. She is an all-time great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying she's Usain Bolt, like, but, but some, I think yeah. yesterday proved that she still has something to give. And I, she came on late in 2019. All, you know, she won a gold in the mixed four by four, which whatever, you know, she even said, I don't really care about this. But heading into 2021, I think she is better positioned than she was in 2019. You know, she she still has a little a little something to give, I think, in the 400. And, and yesterday showed it. 1681, you know, it's not a massively impressive time. But again, beating two two of the biggest stars in the 200. Quite impressive for Allison Felix. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. She definitely uh, is looking like she's going to be in contention come 2021, that she, mm -hmm. that she clearly has fully recovered from, you know, having given birth to a child and having an extra year of training and that she is going to be able to get at least one or two more seasons in uh, before she retires, like elite seasons in where you're, you're able to make a U.S. final and potentially make, make a team, you know? Yeah. So, but I don't know that the time just seemed a little too fast. It didn't seem believable. Well, I mean, we don't see enough, hundred, we don't see enough 150 meter races to kind of understand, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me put it a different way for you. How about this? Hold on. One sec. Our uh, Statman John on Twitter at Statman John, John Milkeen. Here's a very convoluted and kind of confusing tweet to put Allison Felix's 1681 in context back in 2013, the year in which she ran 21.85 windy, she clocked 1636 for 150 meters on a straight. To be just a half a second off that in her first race of the year and on a bend with no competition and seven years older is not bad at all. There's a lot floating around there. A lot of caveats, but there you go. John Mulkeen, stat guy, really the official stat keeper of track and field, at least on Twitter. He's impressed. So I feel like I, I need to be impressed as well. She's older. She ran that time on a straight. This is but like this, also is, this is not a bad performance. I was mostly joking, by the way, if you couldn't tell. But yeah, go ahead. No, I know. it. That's what makes me question it because it, it seems too good to be true. I don't know. Because she is not an elite 200-meter runner right now. She is a an elite 400-meter runner. Like She hasn't been good in the 200 since, what, 2015? Like when's the last time she's run a a a, a world class two hundred? Well, I don't I know. I think she, what was right? she in the twenty sixteen trials. I think she was fourth in the two hundred. So I mean, still okay. So top there. five in the fourth. Yeah, I but mean, then I, after twenty sixteen, she 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 moved on from the two hundred and it's like I'm a four hundred meter runner now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she still competed. I don't know exactly what was going on, but I, yeah, for the most part. But again. It's not out of the question that she could be, you know, much improved than she was in 2017, 2018, and 2019, in 2020 and, and 2021. It's not impossible. I mean, yes, you're right. The way we think of the 200, 
is not somebody is not a game for somebody in their in their mid thirties typically. But Allison Felix, you got to give her credit; she's been good for a very very long time. Also, oh, this was a 100%. one this was a one fifty. Shani Miller Weibo, for as good as she is, isn't a superstar in the hundred. Uh, Kambuji is the it's the same way. You know, Miller Weibo much more of a two hundred four hundred athlete. And, you know, we think of Allison Felix. She was elite in the 100 and the 200 at, at points in her career. It's been a long time ago. But in 2012, you know, she's running the the 100-meter Olympic final. It, she has that speed. Whether or not it's the same as it was eight years ago is not the case. But I, there's many things, you know, there's many factors here that lead me to think this was not just a fluke. Primarily, it's miller Weibo running into a headwind. But... Alice Felix is pretty darn good. You gotta, you gotta admit that, even if, even if you think she's a tad overrated, she's pretty darn good. And my word "overrated" yeah. is overrated in calling her the greatest Olympian of all time. That's my overrated. Yeah, I understand that. No, I get that. No, totally. I, I understand that. I mean, I don't agree with you, but I, yes, there needs to be a slightly kinder word than overrated when it comes to that uh maybe removing relays out of the equation is very helpful i mean i think a lot of us who know that individual events are much more significant than relays look at it and say yeah how many individual golds did they win though and that's the biggest thing but still yet yeah, else felix has done pretty okay for herself in that regard and the women's 400 was kind of weak last year but she still managed to finish sixth off of coming in and you know usa's was like her first competition and she was good in doha um so she she's gonna be a factor next year in the women's 400 in the u.s and, and i would give her a really good shot to make the olympic team who would be uh, your olympic team uh, oh it's because we're so far um probably not at uh at this at this juncture, who's the who's the NCAA champion last year from South Carolina that got fourth at Worlds? Why why can I never think of her name? Uh, she's the she's the clear favorite in the in the four hundred right now. I got to think of her. <clears throat> I got to think of her name. You got her name? I'm not going to tell you. Well, good. I can just look it up right now. I, it, I mean, she's the the obvious favorite. She, Great, you're not going to tell me this is great dead air. This is very entertaining dead air. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. Starts with, should I tell you what it starts with? I'm about to find it. Okay, Waddle and Jonathan, of Wait. course. Yeah, Waddle and Jonathan. And then you got, I mean, Phyllis Francis, and then you go to somebody like Shakima Wembley. I, I would imagine Kendall. that's, and Kendall Ellis. I mean, so the, those women are standing in her way, um, of course. You know, both Jonathan and Francis were top five in the world last year. So it's going to be tough, of course, but I just think Allison Felix is going to be, but Allison Felix is going to be much better in 2021 than she was in 2019. So, uh, and she'll definitely go to the Olympics because we now send a we send 35, 400 meter runners to the Olympics now because, we yeah, I mean, she's obviously looking to make it in an individual event. Yes, yes. She's, if she's healthy, she's going to be on the Olympics and the, and I mean, barring a, a huge injury, I mean, she's going to get selected too. I mean, she's too much of a factor of USA track and field's marketing to not really get left off unless she's woefully out of shape or hurt or, you know, something else happens. Um, but 
I think she's going to find her way on. I don't think right if the race was today, she'd make it. Um, but next year, if she continues on this upward tra- trajectory that I think she's on, yes, I think it's going to happen for her at age 35, I'm, which would be Maybe crazy. I'm hoping that when she does make the team on the relay and she runs the 4x4 prelim and then runs the mixed 4x4 final, right? Mm-hmm. And then she gets two more golds. Maybe some people will start saying like, like when they say most decorated, they'll be like, well, she's pretty decorated by the relay. And again, she is an all-time great. She's won the fastest American all ever. She's won many golds individually, but the phrase most decorated is, you know, I mean, I I, kind of thought about that with uh, Michael Phelps, right? He got a lot of his medals in relays. Right, so <laughs> he did. He did. He got a lot of his medals in relays when he won like eight gold medals in one in one. Uh, like I was trying to compare. He was winning like, like three or four individual events though at a time. Like he was yeah, winning like but it's also, multiple it's, individual events. I was trying to like compare. Like, is what Usain Bolt does by winning the one and the two the same as what Michael Phelps does? I don't know. I was trying to like compare. I did a whole thing, deep dive on like medals and like how like you you get a medal if you run in the prelim of a relay. You know, you get a medal of this, you know, because yeah. Some... I feel like if and you're also, an all time like, great, we should discount those. You you don't get a medal if you're you don't get a at number added to your tally to be compared to all time greats if you're at the end of your career and you run a prelim and then the the younger athletes the the you know the current crop of athletes win a gold medal i i'm not in huge agreement with the you run a prelim you get a gold medal i'm i'm not a fan of that at all yeah and also like you know again this doesn't really happen cuz it's an equal 4 by 1 4 by 4 cuz everyone's running the same leg but like even like think of like a DMR it's a guy who runs the 400 meter leg deserving of credit for winning a DMR title when you have Ed Cheserek on your anchor. Like, well, uh, you know, yes. I mean, you don't, it's not like you get a DMR and NCAA title. You get to decide which legs get the, now you, you, I know you ran on the team, but Edward Cheserek did all the work. So you don't actually, no, I'm just saying if you run the, I feel like I can say that because I was the 400 meter runner for my college in the DMR. And I definitely knew I do not get any credit for any, win or pr that our dmr does because i am just yeah. a blimp of it's really just who has a good miler so you're a blimp a blimp, a blimp. that's what 400 400 could be you literally i mean old miss won the dmr with like a 50 second 400 meter runner not bad division one nca champions won with a 50 second 400 meter runner yeah Think it's, about it's it's yeah it's typically all the miler but you know we've got off topic here i i don't know we'll yeah. we'll we'll see We'll see what Allison Felix can bring in the in the in the twenty twenty one season, but I, I think she's gonna be closer to her twenty sixteen level than her twenty nineteen level in twenty twenty one. Based off solely her inspiration games performance. I was inspired, inspired by it. I was inspired. Uh okay, another action. The hundred yard race was kind of a dud. They they also ran in Florida. That was Andre Degas, Andre de Gras, Omar McLeod, and Jimmy V Cow. DeGrasse won in 968, I believe, or maybe it was 969. One of those times, they ran into a massive headwind. 
it was kind of a dud. I don't really know what to think of that other than not very impressive. Uh, maybe let's kill the 100-yard race just going forward. That didn't really pan out. The 3 by 100 Allison Felix came back, ran with Team USA to win 33-25, 32-25, something like that. Uh, elsewhere, I don't know. Who cares? The rest of the competition was kind of – it was all about Noah Lyles and Allison Felix. Let, let's, let's admit it. I, I don't really care what else happened. Sam Kendricks, Sandy Morris won the pole vault. Uh, and then there was George Ann Moline won the 300 meter hurdles. Good day for the Americans overall. A lot of wins. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I kind of like the impossible games more than the inspiration games. As far as the, uh, power rankings of exhibition social distance meets, I, I put the impossible games above the inspiration games. Where do you put the, uh, the garden clash? Uh, a footnote in history. The first one was fun. The first one was fun. And then after that, it just all went downhill. Once once we had decathletes running around, jogging around cones, it's like, yeah, we've reached our saturation point. We do not need to see any more garden clashes. So I give, I understand that circumstances asked for this and it's been cool. And I applaud the powers that be for putting these things together. It cannot be easy to run a meet or to broadcast a meet where athletes are across the globe. But I'm ready for August 14th in Monaco, uh, of which we're going to have athletes on track that are actually running next to each other. I'm uh, excited for that. And this has been a fun little experiment, but hopefully we can do regular track going do you, forward. Do you think it was live? Because how could they coordinate? They explained it at the a- beginning. Firing they a explain, gun at the exact same time. They explained it at the beginning. I don't, I'm not going to be well-versed in explaining the, to the full detail, but at the beginning of the broadcast, now maybe they were just blowing smoke, but they were talking about how technology, that the, when the guns generated, they would go off simultaneously. I don't know what it was. I don't know exactly. You know, they, they had to modify, I think, a little bit of like broadcast delay, but th- they were saying that they were going off simultaneously. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how exactly it worked. It, they touted the technology, though, on the pre-show broadcast that that that's how it was going to do it. So give them credit. If it was a big, uh, if it was a big fib, then they surely got a believer out of me because they were talking about how the guns would, you know, yeah, get each well, other, so- you know, go off at the same time. And 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 I mean, watching, you wouldn't know the difference. It looked, you know, everything started right on schedule. So who knows? And if it was fake fake live they really did a good performative of thinking oh, yeah i was ran an 18 9 200 because <laughs> then they could have been like ahead of that and be like all right this is 185 meters you know yeah 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 yeah. Uh, it was a cool broadcast i mean it was fun maybe i didn't appreciate it as much as i could have just be simply because i was like doing the recap for our site so i was just kind of trying to like write as quickly as i could but it was it was fun it's just like i'm ready to get back to 100 200 400 800 and and not three hundred meters, three hundred meter hurdles, and three by ones. I'm I'm kind of I'm ready to retire the the off distance events for for 2020. Okay, uh, moving on to maybe a more pressing topic. A day after the Ivy League said they're not going to compete in fall sports, a Power Five conference made a move, and maybe more to follow. The Big Ten yesterday announced that they're going to p- compete only in conference for the fall of 2020. Of course. All the attention there went on to the football schedule and how that would be modified, but it's going to impact cross country as well. How 
I really do not know. Is Wisconsin just going to host a bunch of meets on the Nuttycomb course or on the Thomas Zimmer course? We do not know. Also, rumors and reports that the Pac-12 is going to follow. I've heard the ACC is rumbling. It feels like everyone's going to be going to a similar model like this. Do you have any thoughts? You're kind of the idea person, Gordon, of how we can sort out all these logistics for pandemic. Do you have any ideas how this is going to work for cross-country? Will there be an NCAA championships if, if all competitions in the regular season are just in conference? Well, that's the thing. So if that is the rule, like Wisconsin then can only invite Big Ten schools to the Nutty Tacoma invite, right? So yeah, like, right. I think that's how it works because they basically the whole I, the whole concept behind it is very performative in my opinion because to say that like you're less likely to get coronavirus by flying to Rutgers and playing them than you are to flying to Iowa State and playing them. It's kind of like not like okay like no that's it's equal amount of opportunity to get it the idea is well, maybe they're hoping you can yeah. say you're going going up against fellow Big 10 teams and they're using the same protocol that the Big 10 created right. and you can't trust ACC's protocol because they they take it a little too easy you can't trust the it's Missouri a liability Valley thing Conference. right it's a liability yeah, so thing they kind you're of always... wanna... yeah but in the end, it's like, and I also think there's it helps because then they can also delay the season, right? Because if you push all your non-conference games out, you could start your first game in October, which says, oh, we bought ourselves another month. Maybe things are even better a month later. So I think there's multiple things to it. Uh, so that's on the football side, but for the cross country side, I think, I th if things happen, if the, if things happen, I think this is what could happen. I could see that there are no regular season cross-country meets and all there is they just start the season on halloween weekend have conferences and then two weeks later have regionals and then next week you know they do a, a three-week cross-country season that's what so I, they're going to get an, an exception for for regionals and, and nationals where it's going to say we we so the conference only thing doesn't extend all the way to the the championship meets. That's where I'm confused. Is I think does the, no because you'd have to break the in conference rule to do NCAA championships. Clearly, well, I don't think so the Big Ten work? is, but well, Big Ten I don't think is saying that they can't go to the. This is just regular season. Like the big, I, the, I didn't see that either. Yeah, the Big but Ten I'm just champion wondering. in football. I highly doubt the Big Ten champion in football. Big Ten's gonna be like, we're not gonna let our conference representative go compete for a national yeah. championship. And and yeah, and to be clear, this the the what you were saying with the oh you can't fly to Iowa State but you can go to Rutgers. It's more it's all based on football, right? And you know, Big 10 schools had games against Washington. They had games against Pac-12 schools. So they're going way different places in in the country. So it's based off that. It's not about saying going to New Jersey is safer for for Iowa than it is for them to go down the road to Ames. Like, obviously, no, that's not the case. It's 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 more of like this just, for the most part, travel is going to be much, much shorter for a lot of these programs than it would have been otherwise. I, I Yeah, I mean, who knows, I guess, if it is going, if it's, you know, exponentially safer I don't know if we have any way of knowing that. I think what this shows to me is that commissioners 
and ADs are doing everything they can to have a season, which I think we should encourage yeah. and applaud because the alternative is what the Ivy League just did, which just say, we can't, we're not doing it. And that's not what we want to see. Obviously, safety is in the, of the biggest concern, but I also, if it can be done, if pro sports can do it, it would be great to have a season. Now, the challenges are way more extraordinary for colleges with classes and a bunch of people in concentration on a campus than they are for people, pro athletes who go into a bubble. But for this to happen, I, I actually took it as encouraging news. We don't yet know how it's going to affect potential NCAA championships. Um, I think your explanation is makes sense um, that this is just referring to the regular season. But it, but like I said, I I, th I think this is can be an encouraging sign that these that there's going to be competition in some form in in 2020. Because I'll admit, with the Ivy League and with a few D3 schools saying that they're not going to compete, I I thought we were trending in the next couple of days to another wiped out uh, season like we saw in the spring. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I left it a, a little a little encouraged. I mean, the, the main thing to think about, though, if I think the, the snowball effect is going to be every conference is going to do what Big Ten is doing because it just yeah, makes sense. All, all the Pac-12, they're like, all right, we'll just we'll everyone's going to cancel three to four games off their schedule. It's OK mm -hmm. that I mean, it's really going to hurt. I mean, it, those games don't really hurt uh, like big schools. No, I oh, Ohio State not being able to play Appalachian State doesn't hurt Ohio State. It hurts Appalachian no. State. So the right. schools that are getting screwed over by this are going to be all the the schools mid majors. Who get, yeah, yeah, mid majors who lose fifty nine to zero and then cash that two hundred two million dollar check. They can't cash that two million dollar mm -hmm. check anymore. So I could see though this snowball effect cause mid major sports maybe potentially getting cut because. All these mid majors who get that check from these Power Five uh, games aren't going to have that check, and maybe because they don't get that check, they're going to be like, "All right, no more. We're cutting sports." So we may not see the oh, they just everyone's just canceling four games. We're good, but I think those four games to mid majors mean a lot more than to Power Five, and we could see more like teams from the Mac or Missouri Valley or Ohio Valley just start losing some cross country programs, which hopefully doesn't happen, but I could see that. Happening. That's a, that's something I didn't think about. That is a definitely, definitely a casualty I didn't put together. And you, you, you know, you said it right. It's not just about those schools, football programs. Obviously it's about, Oh, they don't have that money for the athletic department. And let's once again, let's reboot the, let's take a, let's crack open the budget and look, Oh, there's cross country just losing money. Uh, you know, maybe you're right, you know, because we had somewhat slowed down, you know, compared to a month, two months ago when, you know, Akron goes, Central Michigan goes, and, uh, and you know, UConn loses cross country. We kind of thought, uh oh, this is going to be keep going, 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 going. I know Stanford had kind of a bunch of programs uh, a couple days ago, but maybe that gets the, unfortunately, the cuts get rebooted again when when we realize that big chunks of money going to mid-majors that support their athletic programs by them playing power five schools is cut out that's a good point that could definitely be you, a big factor for to watch out for now that this looks like the model for 2020 i know this is this is scary to say but do you know what school doesn't have a conference in football 
and yeah, yeah, I know. Notre could Dame, end up losing yeah. their. They could 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 end up losing their entire season, football season. BYU and Notre Dame, they could both yeah. lose their football seasons. And if BYU has no one to play, they're not going to have money coming in for that BYU. And then BYU could be like, oh, let's cut a sport. And now Wait, BYU doesn't have a football they, conference. BYU doesn't have a they, football no. conference. No, they're they're independent. Okay, they're independent. Oh, so okay. there's going to be a right. mm. there's going to be a lot of. Uh, BYU is the same as like Army, BYU, Notre Dame, and like one other or something like that. Mm-hmm. But like, what if BYU has to make budget cuts? I mean, you, it would be crazy for them to cut a sport that literally just won a national championship. But you know, crazy things happen, right? I mean, wrestling cut Stanford. The literally this past year uh, in 2019, Stanford won Pac-12s in wrestling, and then yeah, and they just a year it. later. Stanford cut wrestling. So mm-hmm. like even winning is, doesn't save you, right? Now you would right. hope that they would BYU would have an affinity for track. I was surprised Stanford didn't cut any of the six running sports uh when they cut eleven sports. I mean, men's women's cross country, indoor and outdoor all got saved. Like I could have seen Stanford being like, All right, no more indoor. Because Stanford doesn't even wow. try indoor anyway. They just they just do the DMR. I could have seen that. Mm-hmm. But like uh I was surprised. I was surprised that track got saved there. But I could see, you know, these schools start mid majors. I mean, if BYU got hit, that would be crazy. I mean, I'm not saying I know anything about it. This is just literally like talking out out my butt. But um, <laughs> I do think there's going to be mid majors who are going to cut some running programs because the Power Five aren't are canceling their mid major versus Power Five game. Yeah, That's what, what you said with with Stanford was was what I was thinking too. I I was stunned that that seemingly cash cash flush of a program school with huge donors would ever have to cut a program, let alone eleven of them. And while you know, selfishly, I I was happy that you know a running or track and field program didn't get cut. It it sets the table. For for that that big programs, which of which of course BYU and Notre Dame are, are not immune to to the financial hardships or to these tough decisions like maybe we thought they were, just based on what's happened thus far. No huge program has had to cut, uh, you know, a track and field or cross country program. So it's certainly nerve wracking. And what you bring up with BYU and Notre Dame is, I think, important because without. Are they are they not going to play football? Are the independent schools only going to play each other? Can you even you know? How do you modify your schedule this late in the game? I mean, I, I guess BYU and Notre Dame and whoever you know Army and those they could play, but what does that do for their season? I mean, that's not going to you know if if there's a if there's a you know if the bowl system is intact. I mean, how is Notre Dame going to get to a bowl bowl game if they're only playing like three teams in the entire schedule? You know. There's so many things to be worked out, and then that obviously all trickles down to the money being brought in, which affects the smaller programs like cross country. So, it's 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 it's. I know I said I was encouraged because for the large majority of programs, you know, any competition is going to be good, but there are of course casualties that are affected, and you know, the mid majors and non conference schools are are uh, maybe a little bit in danger here. One thing to 
think about those. Okay, how would this work? So assuming most all the Power Five conferences, and I then I would assume every conference literally would end up doing this. Every conference is going to be only in conference competition is allowed, right? And mm -hmm. that works for literally every fall sport because they're all one-on-one -on -one competitions, soccer, back and forth, volleyball, right? Uh, the only sport that doesn't have one-on-one -on -one competition is cross country. So right. will they carve out an exception for cross country saying like um, you only can compete within a certain uh, radius of your home, of your home state or whatever? Or will they say, no, you only can compete against fellow conference comrades. And if that's the case, do you think like conferences will hold like fake pre-conference invitationals yeah. and then yeah. a conference meet and then go to regionals? And if that does happen, will they adjust how we pick who goes to regionals? Yeah, because if right. that's true, I mean, so many complications there's a lot, there. There's a lot more pressure to finish top two, right? In your mm -hmm. region because there's no, no one has any points, right? So, yeah, I have no idea. And yeah, I mean, that it, that it certainly impacts, really impacts schools from, you know, lesser conferences. Like if you're, you keep mentioning the Missouri Valley, like how is Northern Iowa or whatever, Wichita State? No, they're not in that anymore. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Uh, Bradley, how are the Bradley and, and Drake, how are those schools supposed to pick up wins? I mean, they're, they're, they're not right. I mean, because if they're only competing in conference, whereas Stanford can pick up a whole host of wins over Washington and Colorado, whatever, it's a big disadvantage for the smaller schools. You know, this is just the first couple dominoes that have moved. So that are, that have fallen. There's still a lot to work out, but yeah, there's so many complications with cross country being a sport where 30 teams are competing against each other at once that make it unique and make it tough to figure out this situation. Um, I, I I don't know. I guess I was saying I was encouraged before I really went down in the nitty gritty of the logistics to think about because there's a lot of complications if you're trying to have a NCAA championship season. <laughs> I can see conferences saying, again, assuming conferences go along with football, I can see conferences telling cross country programs, "Hey, we're gonna you can have a you can have a cross country championship, but that's it, right?" Mm -hmm. Or you you know because I every single conference commissioner could care less about how cross country happens. Like mm -hmm. it is not it is so on the bottom of their careless. There's not it 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 doesn't exist. Like it it. Yeah, like if you had a list, it's not even on it. It's it's at the bottom, but not even on it at the bottom. So I'm the, behind the page, it's a little post-it note because <laughs> they got a a call from Mick Byrne or something. Uh, but I think I could see just cross country getting canceled because I think maybe conferences are going to be like, oh, this is complicated. We don't want to deal with this. Just we're not doing it. No, because there, there would be no outcry, right? I mean, there would be no national media outcry. There will be outcry from us, from our fellow media members, and from our from the fans of our sport. But you know, our sport is not big enough for conference commissioners to really pick up the phone and care about how we have our sport. So that's, I guess, worse thing could happen because I talked to coaches and they do say we're having cross country. If football happens, that's basically what they said. In the end, all this is just noise. If there's football, there's cross country. 
But I could see, though, in this weird world where they're trying to create all these new rules for football, they're going to be like, cross country is too complicated. Uh, just let's just, it's easier just to say no. You know? I, I almost wonder if they could make an exception for cross country, though, simply for the fact that it, it is, it has such low attention and it is unique, you know? Yeah. And there's no fans, I, I, right? You could yeah, say, like, hey, I no mean, fans. Yeah. Only, only the seven people come, you know? Right. So do do that, and you know you're outside where the I know all fall sports are pretty much outside, but transition risk is what you would think much lower. I I don't know. I mean, you know, you're not going to have the sophisticated testing that you're going to have in maybe you know in in professional sports. So I I don't really know. But the in conference solution, if you're trying to have an NCAA thing, could seem almost impossible now that you, you you've kind of broken it down i it it it's it certainly you know shaping up to be the strangest season that we've ever had at at best to say the least but when you talk about trying to then go from an all conference season when some teams don't even have have that in foot i i it's just i don't know it's a lot to sort out it's giving me a headache and uh <laughs> I just, I just don't want to be talking about this anymore. I'm ready for this virus to go away. I'm ready for just normalcy to return. And it's just we're, oh, we're a little bit away. Lincoln, so you're getting broken right now. Is the virus breaking? Well, it doesn't you? mean I'm. I well, yeah, it's definitely broken me. I, it doesn't mean I'm touting it as not real. I'm just saying. No, I'm not saying. I'm saying like uh, you're getting it's all oh, these yeah, four I'm months of talking fatigued. about no sports. And all this, like, what are we gonna do? This changes. It's 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 starting to hit you. At first, it was yeah. like a cool little concept of like, whoa, this is crazy. We're living in a world with no sports, but now we're like, yeah. oh shit, we're in a world with no sports. Well, and now we're trying to like piece together what we can do, and and I'm just realizing, you know, with with uh, cross country all conference, like would be fun for a couple things, but eventually we're going to be like, we're wanting to do the national championships. And if they're strict adhering to this, you know, it just feels like if you, if they say we'll do conferences all the way up to NCAAs, then you can have NCAAs. Well, why can't we just do a somewhat normal schedule? Like, why can't we just have the Netty Comb Invitational in October if we're going to have that big of a meet at NCAAs and still water a month later? It's just, yeah. Like cross country is the exception to this rule, and it feels like that should be the way it's approached. But you're right, cross country is negatively impacted by the fact that it's the ignored little brother, and so yeah. it may just be a massive casualty here, where they're just like, I don't know, figure it out. But you can't do out of conference meets. Yeah, and it's not even a little brother; it's the ignored step cousin, best friends, <laughs> uh, mentor. Uh, Teacher's aid. Yeah. Very, very, I, very far removed from the actual football. <laughs> I would be entertained, though, to see like six or five or six Pac 12 championships in one yeah. season. You know, if the Stanford Invitational turns into September Pac 12s and then in October. <laughs> yeah, it's just like October Pac 12s. I, yeah. I guess, I mean, that's the, the, the plus side. I don't know. And think about this, uh, though. It, Imagine though it'll be like imagine having like three Pac twelve meets before the actual Pac twelve meet and it's like different winner every time. Like a different individual winner, a different team yeah, winner. Cool. It's like, whoa, back and forth. And you're like, all right, round one, Stanford won. Round two, Washington won. Round three, Oregon won. Uh -huh. Who's gonna win 
the final one and then like colorado's like we we were sandbagging we're winning the final yeah round. yeah 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 let's hope it doesn't come to that <laughs> i mean what i if, guess that's what if, fun but what if they say you you only can have uh dual meets you what if they say like all right you don't have to be in conference but you only can race one team at a time wow so we only get to see like dual meet matchups yeah let's just hope that it's not cool. just dual meet in conference i i i don't think i need a race <laughs> to know that nau arizona versus arizona weber, state weber state yeah I don't, I don't need nau versus versus uh weber state week after week after week i, I want to see them run up against byu I mean, though, if we did, if how cool though would it be if like they say only dual meets, and then Ed and Mike Smith are like, you know what, this is bullshit. They're screwing with our cross country <laughs> season. We need to give the fans something that they want, and then Mike and Ed get together and like we're, we're putting it on a dual meet. You know what, we'll we'll do mm -hmm. it. And then they they have a yeah. dual meet, and then Joe Franklin and Mark Wetmore are like, you know what. Let's have a battle on the mountaintop, and it's New Mexico women versus Colorado women, right? And it's all, and then you know, just that wouldn't that be you're fun? You're giving fun. you're giving these coaches a lot more credit and freedom to put put up their own their own meets and that you know organically and, schedule a meet this late in the year. I I don't know. And then you I have, have no like, idea. Andy Powell calls up Oregon and it's like, "Hey, man, let's settle this right now. Did I make the right yeah. decision to leave?" And it's Washington versus Oregon. Right, you can have all these great dual meets. <laughs> this is not the personality for most of these coaches. I don't think these coaches are like focused on training and not not a whole lot else. I, man, I'm just. Or this is what they do. To... This is what they do. I know what they do. Okay. You got in order to like keep keep things in a bubble. Basically, all the cross country teams now just have the same schedule as their football school. So whenever they so. Oregon football schedule. Oregon just has to Oregon cross country team travels to wherever the Oregon football team is going and races that team's cross country program. They, they race once a week. They race they once race a week. Once a, so the, like the games school. on Saturday, they, they they race, you know, Saturday, Saturday morning. There's the cross country mm -hmm. meet before every football game. And they hold it in the stadium and it's like on the turf and they just have like a little mm -hmm. route. It'd be great. That's what we should do. Cross country basically follows a football schedule. Hmm. That'll be fun, though, right? It would be like you get excited for like matchups. I suppose I'm re I'm hoping for something <laughs> something more traditional than that. Uh, okay, we'll leave that for now. Uh, last thing before we go, Bowerman Track Club going for fast 5K times tonight. I want to know your predictions. We'll start with the men's race between Lopez Lemong, Mohamed. Uh, who do you think is going to win, and what do you think the time is going to be? I think low. So would they run? Um, did they say if they're trying to run fast or are they just racing? They're they're trying to run fast, right? No, oh, yeah, they're trying to run fast. Yeah, because the other yeah. the guys last last week ran what thirteen like 11, eleven or something like that thirteen ten thirteen eleven. Yeah. So, so just to their PRs: oh Mohamed twelve twelve fifty eight, Lopez Lamont thirteen flat. And so, I imagine they're trying to go faster than that because they said the pace yeah. is going to be spicy. Spicy pace. Ooh. Pe spicy pe pepper pace. emoji. Pepper emoji. Pepper. You, I, <laughs> I interpreted that as spicy. I mean, I would say they're probably just going to try to run sub 13. Like, that's just right. be the goal. Um, do they do it? I'll say, yeah, why not? You got time? No pressure. 
Who's going to win and what's the time? Lopez wins 12-57. Oh. Mohamed 12-59. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Mohamed 12-56. And Whoa. I think if somebody if somebody's running 12-56, I think Lopez is that, – that's pretty quick. Uh, so I, I'm going to put him at 13-01. It's just the way Ooh. I'm feeling. Okay, now to the to the women's side. This is the marquee: Shelby versus Carissa Swizer. American record belongs to Shelby Houlihan, 1435, 1434, 45. Are, are they getting under? Who wins? Who who has the American record at the beginning? Or who has the regardless of the situation? It's either Shelby Houlihan or Carissa Swizer is going to have the American record at, at, by the conclusion of today. Who wins and what's the time going to be? Time is going to be 1429. Woo! Dang. That's what I think. Time is going to be 1429. You, you you called the famous race their last matchup before an American record on the line. What do you got? Is you Shelby going to be was, Shelby going to be Aiken again? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about that race. That women's 3K at BU is kind of very similar to the Chris Zielinski 10K in 2010 at Peyton, right? Everyone came to that Whoa. meet saying, ooh, this is going to be Galen Rupp's American record attempt in the 10K. And then Chris Zielinski surprises everyone and breaks the American record and like takes mm -hmm. the spotlight from Galen Rupp. Everyone went to that BU meet thing. This is going to be American record for Shelby Houlihan. But then Carissa Schweizer comes in and upsets Shelby Houlihan. It's kind of like the female mm -hmm. version of the Zielinski 10K. A little bit. I, I was Stakes for indoor, not quite as high. 3K, not championship distance. But okay, you're right. There's some similarities. But who do you got? Who do you got tonight? I'm going with Houlihan. Get to her revenge. Yeah. 14.29 for Houlihan. Schweizer breaks 14.34. Schweizer runs like 14.33. Yeah, I I definitely have Houlihan as well. I think she gets a revenge. The game face is going to be extra fierce. I'm going to go 1432. I, I'm just a believer that 1434 is, even though she did it two years ago, and as Kevin mentioned, she should be two years better. She's been better in the, the following years. I, I think 1434 is a, a tough time. Uh, we're not used to seeing a ton of fast 5Ks in the U.S., so I think it's a it's going to be a tough time to crack, but I, I, I will go 1432 for Houlihan, and I think Swizer runs 1435 to just miss it's gonna be fun we don't yet know how to watch if it's just going to be recorded we don't know what time last time the bowerman track club did this time trial they did it really late at night for at least us central time folks so who knows if we'll even have results before we go to bed but uh could have an american record go down tonight in portland with another bowerman track club special it's going to be exciting hopefully we'll see who's right do we are we putting any uh wager no down no no, no I wagers? cannot afford wait no no wagers i just constructed a massive shed in my backyard that has taken my wager cost? but uh, eighty three hundred dollars it was not for a shed well it's it's is a very a nice, fancy it's a very fancy like, shed yeah is that plumbing and like ac and no stuff? no it has ac but it does not have plumbing but what do you put in the shed it's, garden tools no 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 it's my wife's art art studio Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, I think of yeah. shed, I think of like lawnmowers yeah. and like wheelbarrows. Right. Yeah. I should. It's more of a. It's more of a studio. I mean, it's, it's more of a studio. We're calling okay. it a shed, okay. but it's it's pretty big. But yeah, it it cost me a good amount of money. So my 
my budget for <laughs> for wagers, which is normally quite low, I, I have none. So we could do we could do like candy or something, but but uh, but like a bag of Skittles or a Starburst or something. But that that's about all I can go for this. You only you only have like fifty cents left in your bank account. You only can order like one bag of Starburst. <laughs> it's okay. more than fifty cents, less than eighty three hundred dollars. I'll tell you that. There you uh, go. Um, all right, that makes sense. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, sorry we didn't get to any emails. We'll try to do that more uh, next week. Email the show, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you on Monday.